Well, this morning, as we call one another to worship, we want to do so by the singing of the doxology. It's there in your bulletin if you do need the words. So will you stand with me if you're able and let us call one another to worship this morning. Continue to praise his name by taking your Trinity hymn books, turning to number 53. Number 53, hallelujah, praise Jehovah. Oh, my soul, Jehovah, praise. Number 53 in the Trinity.
Let us pray together. Lord, Heavenly Father, how grateful we are that by your grace we have gathered together again for another Lord's Day, and we we just give you praise uh, this morning for your goodness to us. We ask you, Lord, to forgive us our sins, to cleanse our hearts, to make us fit to come in this place and to worship you aright. And Father, we, uh, we just praise you, Lord, for uh, your holiness. We praise you, Father, for you are the sovereign God of the universe. We thank you, Father, for the providence that you work in our lives. Uh, we don't always understand, uh, Lord, what you're doing and, and uh, what uh, your purpose is. But, Father, we know that you are faithful and true. And so we do. We put all our trust, all our dependence upon you. And we ask, Lord, that you would help us to set aside those issues of the day, uh, those uh, problems and challenges that we are going through with your help. And and help us, Lord, just to focus this morning on uh, just lifting you up, magnifying your name, and giving praise for all that you are doing in our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now take your hymns of grace and turn over to 411. I think it's a hymn that's familiar to some, if not many of you. Uh, All your anxiety, all your care, bring to the mercy seat. Leave it there. 411 in the hymns of grace. Maybe Rachel, if you'd just play it through, so people can get an idea.
chapter 6. This is a continuation of the Sermon on the Mount. In this chapter, Jesus condemns the conspicuous devoutness, uh, prideful uh, piousness of which the Pharisees were so adept. In the applause of men, they have their reward, not the reward of their father. These instructions apply to almsgiving as well as gaining attention uh, to one's prayer life. Uh, Jesus condemns vain repetitions, long-winded prayers. And Jesus teaches how to pray in verses 9 through 13, emphasizing the need to forgive and the consequences of not forgiving. He speaks of the reward for the uh, reward for sincere fasting. He speaks on storing up treasure in heaven, uh, not in temporal possessions on earth. He also uh, teaches that one cannot serve God and mammon, and we are taught not to be anxious for what we are to wear or what we are to eat or drink. For God knows all of our basic needs. We are exhorted to seek first the kingdom of God as his, and his righteousness, and our needs will be met. Also, we must live in the present, <clears throat> this day, and not worry about those days which are not promised us. So if you would follow along, chapter 6 and verse 1, may the Lord bless the reading of his word this morning. I'm reading from the King James Version. Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have the glory of men. Verily I say to you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, <clears throat> that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say to you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto the Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great that darkness. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say to you, take no thought for your life, what ye eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. This morning as we pray together once again, we especially want to remember Pastor Bala from the Grace Church in Auckland, New Zealand, and especially the ministry that he has among the Tamil-speaking people. And then also we want to remember the Stearns there in the Middle East and, and their labor and their work for the glory of God. Let us seek our God together in prayer.
Our Father in heaven, we would begin by confessing that we have not sought the kingdom of God first and foremost all too often in our lives. We pray that you would forgive us of that and pray that you would be working in our hearts and lives in such a way that seeking first the kingdom of God would be foremost in our minds, knowing that then all these other things shall be added unto us. We would confess, O Lord, that too often we are too earthly-minded, that we do not think enough of what yet lies before us. We do not think often of heaven and what it is to be in your presence forever and ever. And Father, far too often we have found ourselves more concerned about earthly goods than we are about heaven and its reality. And so, Father, we pray that as we have heard your word read to us this morning, that the various lessons that your Son set before us in this wonderful sermon we would take heed to. We pray that you would keep us from being hypocrites, where we have more concern about the appeasing men than we do in pleasing God. Father, we pray that we might be people who recognize our dependence upon you for all things and therefore give ourselves to prayer, recognizing that we need your help. Father, we pray that we would not be people who are anxious or worried to the point that we hide the face of God because of activities and events that transpire in our lives. We are living in a time of uncertainty. We're living in a time in which there is much concern about what lies before us. And yet, Father, we pray that as the people of God, we would never lose the reality that the God who rules and reigns over this universe is a wise and good and faithful God. And therefore, may we continue to trust in you, knowing that you have a plan and a purpose for our lives, and you have promised that you will work all things out for our good. And so, Father, we pray that the word of God would have an effect upon us, even as it was read to us this morning. Father, we, we pray for that word as it goes forth, not only from this pulpit, but around the world, and how thankful we are for the privilege of, of being in partnership with brethren in various places far, far away. We thank you for Pastor Bala and the work there in Auckland, New Zealand. We thank you for his recent report that they're able to meet in their building again and that they're able to gather and and fellowship with one another. And Father, we pray that that would continue to be the case in days to come. We're thankful for the opportunity that Pastor Bala has to meet with pastors around the world who speak the Tamil language. And Father, we pray that you would use our brother even this past week as he held the pastor's conference over Zoom. We pray that things went well and that the men benefited greatly from their time and study in God's word, that in the end it would do your church good. And then, Father, we're thankful for the Stearns. We pray for them there in the Middle East. We're thankful and pray that you would give them wisdom and discernment with regard to the beginning of a church with other English-speaking individuals. 
We thank you for the fellowship that they have with these individuals and pray that it would develop into a church in the very near future. Uh, Be with our brother. We know that it can be discouraging when you see so little fruit from your ministry. But we pray that our brother would, would be renewed in his desire to see the gospel go forth during these days. So watch over him and help him to keep his heart above everything else. Be with that family. We think of Aaron and her responsibility there in the home and homeschooling the children. May you bless and use them for your glory and honor. Father, we, we pray that you would meet with us. May the Spirit of God come and help and make the Word of God effective in this place for your glory and for your honor. As we ask all these things in Christ's name, amen. Now before we come to open the Word of God, take your Trinity hymn books again. Trinity hymn books to number 400. Hymn number 400, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, Tune My Heart to Sing Thy Grace. We make a confession there at the final stanza. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. But here's my life. Take and seal it for your courts above. Number 400 in the Trinity hymn book.
Deuteronomy chapter 6, Deuteronomy in chapter 6. You might recall that Moses is giving instructions to the children of Israel just before they were to enter into the promised land. And at this point in his instructions, Moses is working out practically what it means to have no other gods before Jehovah. That first commandment that is given to us in the Decalogue, you shall have no other gods before me. And Moses tells them that if that's going to be true in their lives, then they must be continually aware of the fact that Yahweh is God alone. And He is the one God. They must be convinced of that reality. That Yahweh is God alone and He is the one true God. And if that's true, then Moses tells them, you must love Him with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And then he goes on to say, this is true not only for you, but it's true for future generations to come. And therefore, you must be a people who teach these realities to your children. You must live these realities before them. It must be a part of your life so that your children not only hear these truths, but they also see them lived out in your life. And if you do so, you will know God's blessing upon your lives. You might recall back in chapter 4 and verse 40, Moses told their grandparents and their parents before them, keep his statutes and his commandments, which I'm giving you today, that it may go well with you and with your children after you, and that you may live long on the land which the Lord your God is giving you for all times. The sad reality is the grandparents and the parents did not do this, and therefore they never entered into the land. And now Moses is saying to this next generation who's about ready to walk into that land, what will you do? What, what about you? Do you really believe that Jehovah is the one true and the living God? Do you love Him with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might? And are you teaching and showing your children these things? Now, Moses goes on to speak about a real warning that comes with this new generation. And that's the passage we want to consider this morning. We open up this passage by being reminded 
who is the source of every blessing and the dangers that often accompany God's blessing and the charge that comes with all that. And so we come to verse 10 this morning as Moses continues to instruct to have no other gods before Jehovah. And he says these words, Then it shall come about when the Lord your God brings you into the land which He swore to your fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give you great and splendid cities which you did not build, houses full of good things which you did not fill, hewn cisterns which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant, and you eat and are satisfied. Then watch yourselves that you do not forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. You shall fear only the Lord your God, and you shall worship Him and swear by His name. You shall not follow other gods, any of the gods of the people who surround you. For the Lord your God is in the midst of you, is a jealous God. Otherwise, the anger of the Lord your God will be kindled against you, and He will wipe you off the face of the earth. Here in this passage of Scripture, we will note three things. First of all, there is a splendid announcement. And that's then followed by a, a sober warning, which is then followed by a serious charge. So we have this announcement, we have a warning, and we have a charge given to the people of God. First of all, in verses 10 and 11, we have this announcement. And Moses is telling his hearers what the consequences are to their obedience to the directions that they have received from God through Moses. If you love Him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, if you're teaching it to your children and living it out in your life, Moses says to them, basically by this announcement, you will know of the favor and the grace of God in your life. The favor and the grace of God in your life. And the certainty of that reality rests upon three pillars. The certainty of, of the grace of God on your life rests upon these three pillars. First of all, they have God's Word. They have God's Word. Notice what it says there in verse 10. Then, what's the then? Well, go back. What has he been saying? We've reviewed that. When you're doing these things, then it shall come about when the Lord your God brings you into the land. Moses is a mediator. 
And what Moses is telling the people, he's telling them from God. Moses is the go-between between between God and his people. And now his people hear these words. Then, when you go into the land. What an encouragement that must have been. For years, hundreds of years, they have been looking to going into the promised land. And now they hear these words from God. When you enter the land. How exciting that must have been. Our our great-grandparents heard about this land. Our grandparents heard about this land. Our parents heard about this land. They were all seeking for this land. But this is the land that God is saying He's going to give to us. Notice the language. He brings you into the land. When He does that, He's giving His Word. There would be opposition But you shall be victorious over the opposition. You will go into that land. So they they have His Word. Secondly, not only do they have His Word, but they have His promise. Notice again the language of verse 10. The land which He swore to you, to your father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's going to give that land to you. This is a land that that has been promised for a long time. This is a land that was promised to Israel many years ago. It was sworn to their fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is the land that I'm going to give to you. I mean, think about what it must have been like and how many times they must have wondered, is God going to fulfill this promise? When is this fulfillment going to come to pass? Imagine Abraham when he was told, you're going to be the father of many nations. You're going to be a father of a multitude of people. And Abraham scratching his head and said, I don't even have a son. How's this going to happen? And then they're taken in bondage by Egypt and they live there in Egypt and they're treated as slaves. And how many times they must have wondered, when are we going to get that land? When is God going to fulfill this promise? And then they they leave and and they cross the Red Sea and and God provides them with manna from heaven and and, and He's leading them along. And and suddenly, because of their disobedience and unbelief, they have another 40 years of wandering in the wilderness and and they're watching their parents and grandparents die off and, and they're wondering... When is is God going to fulfill this promise? And now Moses stands before these people and he says, That land that he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he's going to give to you. 
He will fulfill His promise. And how often do we wonder the same thing? How often do we wonder when is God going to fulfill His promise of that new heaven and that new earth? When is that going to take place? When is that going to happen? And perhaps we're left to sometimes doubt. Is, is it ever? I can remember as a little boy sitting in church and listening to preachers talking about the coming of Christ and thinking, it's going to happen in my lifetime the way that guy sounds. The older I get, the more I wonder. It still could happen in my lifetime, but, but maybe, when's that going to take place? But here we're reminded in God's time, in God's perfect time, He will do that. And so they have this announcement, I'm going to give you the land. And they, they have the confidence that this is true because they have God's Word. I'm going to give it to you. They, they, they have God's promise. I swore to your forefathers but then also they have God's generosity. They have God's generosity. What does the blessing look like in the land of promise? And he says there's coming a time. Notice what he says. Look at the verse. I will give you great and splendid cities which you do not build. You know how long it takes to build a city? And I'm going to give you a city. He goes on to say, I'll give you houses full of good things. You know how long it takes to fill? It takes a while to fill a house. I, I was thinking about this. I remember when Trisha and I first got married and we moved into our first little house. Everything we owned went into a back of a pickup, a pickup truck, a little pickup truck. That was everything we owned. The last time I moved, it took a big U-Haul. It took some time to, to fill the house. And God says, you're going to have houses filled with good things, but you haven't filled he goes on to say, you'll have cisterns, wells, which you did not dig. You know how long it takes to dig a well? Oh, it takes a while. But you'll have wells that you did not dig. And vineyards and olive trees, which you did not plant. I will give you all these things. I'm going to chase out a people. And, and, and you, you will be left with all these things to enjoy. No more will you wander in a wilderness. No longer will you dwell in tents. But you'll have houses and cities and wells and vineyards. And these blessings you will have not because you're worthy of them, not because you deserve them, but by God's grace, He will bestow them upon you. 
by God's goodness, these things will be yours. And dear people, how often do we think about the grace and goodness of God towards us? Apart from His grace, we'd be headed for hell for all eternity. And it is only by His grace that He has awakened us to a need of a Savior and brought us to Jesus Christ. But not only that, every day we we experience so much of the goodness of God. The grace of God. Why were you born in the United States of America when so many are born in places of poverty? There are children tonight who will go to bed on on the ground because they have no place called a house because of where they live. I doubt if any of us go home tonight and wonder, where am I going to get some food? Am I going to go another day without? We have shelves filled with food in our homes. We gather together to worship God without any any great fear. I doubt that any of you came in and tried to be a come in with some stealth so nobody sees you. And yet here we gather freely. God has been so good to us. I mean most we have to complain about, man, I get people my internet went down. Oh no, how do we live? What's up with that? Oh no. You you understand the things we usually complain about are really minute things. That in some ways we ought to be ashamed that we're complaining about. God has blessed us so greatly. And it's more than we deserve. I know, I know it's Dave Ramsey's thing and, and, and it's become almost a cliche now, but you know, how you, better than I deserve. And that's, but do we really believe that? Do you really understand how good God has been to you with what you have? The generosity of God towards us. When we are so unworthy... And certainly don't deserve it. Well, that was the splendid announcement. I'm going to give you the promised land. And with that, just as I promised, you'll have houses and cities and vineyards and wells. Well, that leads us then to notice, secondly, the sobering warning. The warning. Then, when you're enjoying these great blessings... When you've experienced the goodness of God towards you and His His generosity in, in so many areas of your life, be warned. Then it shall come about. Or, I'm sorry, then watch yourselves. Why? Be on guard. That, that's, that's the meaning of the word here. Watch yourself. There, there's a 
peculiar danger that is lurking around us in the midst of enjoying God's favor, His grace, and His generosity. And we must, we must be on guard lest we fall to this danger. What is the danger? You forget God. You forget God. And we might say, how in the world does that happen? He's going to give you cities you haven't built. He's going to give you houses that are filled with good things, but you haven't filled them. He's going to give you vineyards. He's going to give you wells. He's going to give you all these things. How in the world can they forget God? And yet, God through Moses makes it very apparent that you're vulnerable to this danger. Be on guard, lest you fall and forget God. Keep watch, lest you forget God. I mean, think about the past history of Israel. God has brought them out of Egypt. He's delivered them from bondage. That They come to the Red Sea. How are we going to get across that? God divides it. He divides it, and then they walk through on dry ground. Look at what God's doing. Well, what are we going to eat? God says, here's some manna. I'm going to give you manna from heaven. And He gives them manna from heaven. How, how do we know where to go? What direction should we head? I'll give you a pillar of fire by day. And, and you'll follow up. Look at what I'm doing. Consider what's going on. Look at God's goodness to you. And they're walking along. And what happens when Moses is called up to Mount Sinai and he's there for a while and they're wondering what's happening to Moses and what's going on? What, what's, the, what's the first thing they do? They come to Aaron and say, we need to make a God. We need to make an idol. That's the first thing that after God has done all this, shown His power, His generosity, His grace towards them, delivered them out of bondage. And it wasn't too long till they forgot their God. And then He brings them right to the edge of the promised land. And they're getting ready to go in, but before they do, let's send some spies in. Let's see what the spies have to say. So they send 12 spies in and they come back. And 10 of them say, Oh, no. There's some big dudes in that city. We don't stand a chance against them. And two of them said, Listen, God's given us this land. Let's go. But most of the people had forgotten and they lived in a state of unbelief and disobedience. And for 40 years now, they're going to wander through the wilderness. And now Moses is speaking to this new generation. And he's saying to them, don't you forget God. Don't you forget Him. There's something about God's blessing that causes us to need to be warned. Don't forget don't forget. And dear people, the same is true in our day. How often do we individually, how often do we in our society 
in our nation, and even in our churches, forget God. It happens. It happens. We forget to recognize that this is God's doing. He has blessed us. He is the one true and living God. We need to love Him and love His truth and live for Him and teach His truth. But by and by, generations that will follow will forget. They will forget. We see this happening in our own nation. How often have the truths of God and the realization that there is a God now been set aside. It was pointed out to me that today, in many churches around our country, there are pastors who will be speaking on sexual identity that we as a nation fall prey to with regard to throwing God out of that. And it's very close to us. In Canada, there was a bill, it's called C-4, that was passed through the House and the Senate. And I was amazed to read it was passed without any opposition. Not a single dissenting vote was cast. And the bill is a bill that speaks about our sexual identity. And among other things, it criminalizes it criminalizes causing another person to undergo conversion therapy, promoting or advertising conversion therapy. If you practice or promote conversion therapy, you can be arrested and thrown in jail. What is Conversion therapy, well, it's providing to another person the idea that God has given us two sexes, male and female. It is promoting that idea. It is promoting the idea of morality, that marriage is between a man and a woman only. Any talk to try to change that is referred to as conversion therapy. And you can be arrested for preaching or teaching or promoting such things. The preamble of this bill reads this way. Heterosexuality and cisgender gender identity and gender expression that conforms to the sex assigned to a person at birth are to be preferred over other sexual orientations, genders, and identity, and gender expressions is a myth. It's a myth if you teach such things. According to the Canadian law, as of January the 8th, the belief in God's design for marriage and sexuality will be seen as a myth. A myth. 
and to practice conversion therapy where you seek to sell or tell people what God says concerning our sexual identity, our sexual behavior, is now criminal. And you will face at least two years in jail. The bill reads, Everyone who knowingly causes another person to undergo conversion therapy, including the, the, by providing conversion therapy to other persons, is guilty of an indictable offense and liable into imprisonment for the term of not more than five years. Similarly, the bill goes on to say, everyone who knowingly promotes and advertises conversion therapy is guilty of an indictable offense and liable to imprisonment for a term of not more than two years. That's a bill. That's a law. Forget what God says. Whatever you feel is right, that now is acceptable. And you cannot seek to teach, promote, or help someone to see differently without perhaps going to jail. But God's Word says, in the beginning, God created a man and a woman Male and female created He them. That's what God's Word says. God's Word says that marriage is the place where the two become one flesh. The two become one flesh. And it is there that the the sexual activities are blessed and, and favored by God. You may say as we read a portion of Scripture such as Deuteronomy 6, and here's the warning, they forget God. You may say that that would never happen to us. My friends, it's just across the border. And the way things look, it's heading down here very quickly. We'll forget God. We'll forget His truth. It's a warning. It's a wake-up call even for us. May God never allow us to forget Him. We understand that we need to love the sinner. We understand that the depravity of man leads to all kinds of, of, dis, of distorted and, 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 and profanes what God has called blessed. And we need to realize that, that they're in bondage to that sin. And show them the love of God and, and declare to them the Gospel. But, but may we never, may we never forget God's truth. May we never shy away from what God says. May, may we follow after Him to His glory and to His honor. It is a sober warning not only for the children of Israel who's about ready to enter into the promised land, but for all of us as well, lest we forget God. 
there may be seasons ahead of us where life will be easier if we're willing to forget God's truth. Things may be more tolerable for us. And it may not be as hard if we simply set aside God's truth. That's the temptation. But may God help us to be zealous for His truth. Love His truth. Love Him with all our hearts. Well, thirdly, notice the serious charge. The serious charge. Moses tells his hearers that in light of these things, here's what you must do. Here's what's got to, here's how you must live. Notice what he says, verse 13. You shall fear only the Lord your God. You shall worship him and swear by his name, and you shall not follow other gods. Here's what you need to be. You need to be a people who fear God. Deuteronomy 14.23 Fear the Lord, your God always. It's to live my life ever in His presence. It's to live my life knowing that that He sees and, and knows all that I do, all that I say, all that I think. God is is very much aware of my life. That's living in the fear of God. It's recognizing His greatness and His majesty and live my life in light of the fact of who God is. It makes a difference how I live as I have a better understanding of who God is. Who God is. We're living in a time where we're more concerned about appeasing man. I'm more concerned about what you think and what you say and what you see me do and what you hear me say that I am about God. And Moses said, don't do that. Recognize the greatness of your God. Recognize His omnipresence and live in light of that. Live in the fear of God. And he opens that up to a greater degree by saying, here's the process by way that's, that's how that's done. Serve God. Serve God or, or worship God. The, the term that's used here that some translate serve, others translate worship, is just that idea. Recognize His authority over you. And He's worthy to be worshipped. We often speak about a worship service, right? That's how we worship service. It's recognizing that, that I'm here to serve Almighty God. He is my Lord. He is, he is the one over me. And I want to live to please Him. That's what it means to, to fear God, to serve God. Not only that, but to swear by His name. What, what does that mean? Swear by His name. Well, here, I, I believe the thought here is this. I want to live my life evoking God into every area of my life. To judge whether it's pleasing and He shows me His favor or to convict me and show me my sin. Let me give you an example. Look over to Exodus. Exodus 22. Exodus chapter 22. And verse 10. Exodus 22.10 If a man gives his neighbor a donkey, an ox a sheep, 
or any animal to keep for him, and it dies or is hurt or is driven away while no one is looking. An oath before the Lord shall make be made by the two of them that he has not laid hands on his neighbor's property and its owner shall accept it and he shall not make restitution. So here, here's the problem. I, 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 I need to go someplace and so while I'm gone, I, I give you my donkey. Take take care of my donkey for me, and okay, I'll I'll be glad to do that. Here, let me put him in the barn, and 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 you're feeding him, you're taking care of him, and, and the next morning you go out and the donkey's dead. And, and the owner comes, hey, I've come for my donkey. Um, um, the donkey's dead. What happened? What happened to my? What did you do to my donkey? I, I didn't do anything. I, I did nothing to your donkey. At that point, the instruction is: you swear by God. God knows. God knows. I did nothing, and I swear by His name. I I call Him down to to either bless or curse me in, in light of what I'm telling you. I did nothing wrong. That's what Moses is saying here. Live in the fear of God and swear by His name. In other words, acknowledge, listen, God knows my heart. God knows the truth about how I live and what I do. And I call Him. I want to be accountable to Him. I, I call Him to be my witness. I am genuine. I am sincere. I am the real thing. It's not a show. It's, it's not a pretend. It's really a part of my life. And God is my witness. So, so to fear God is to recognize His authority over my life, His omnipresence in my life, and it is to call Him down to be a witness with regard to how I live and what I, I do. That's what it means. And then he says, and don't, then don't go out following other gods. Don't go following other gods. That would be the temptation. You look around and you see the, what their gods had, had given, the Canaanites' gods had given them these houses. They're filled with good things. They've, they've given them these cities. And the temptation is, Let, let's worship their god. Don't do that. Don't get caught up in their culture and thought in the society in which you now live, don't follow after these other things. Know what? That I am the one true God. Have no other gods before me. That's how you're to live. But then he gives them the motive, the motive for this charge. Why should you be obedient? Listen to what he says. Deuteronomy 6. He says... These words, for the Lord, the Yahweh your God, in the midst of you is a jealous God. Otherwise, the anger of the Lord your God will be kindled against you and He will wipe you off the face of the earth. Be warned. There's an effect. If you're not living as you ought to live, 
and you're following after other gods, and you're doing what you think is right in your own eyes, judgment will come upon you. Judgment will fall upon you. And you will feel the effect of a jealous God in whom you have a relationship. You will feel the jealousy of God and He will destroy you. Listen to those words. He will destroy you off the face of the earth. To experience the severity and the wrath of God is a frightful thing. It's a frightful thing. It's amazing. Often amazing. Except I know my own heart. How many times people will sit and hear about the Gospel and hear about Christ and and hear about their sin and walk away and not bow their knee to King Jesus as though they're not in any way afraid of the wrath of Almighty God. But one day you'll be awakened. One day you'll experience the wrath of God and you'll be calling for the mountains and the rocks to fall down upon you and hide you from the severity of Almighty God. Here, then, is what God says to His people. Love Me. Fear Me. I'll give you good things. You'll know My grace. You'll know My favor. Take heed. Take heed. And it is a charge that each one of us should take heed to lest we're guilty of forgetting our God because God's been so good to us. Dear child of God, the warning is real. We sang about it this morning. Prone to wonder. Lord, I feel it and prone to leave the God I love. Many of us who are honest with our own hearts have to confess, I, I, I know that by experience. But may God help us. May God help us to keep our devotion, our passion, our desire for God and His truth ever alive. Seek after Him. To His glory. And to His honor. And the truth is that some of you who said here this morning, it's not an issue of you forgetting God. It's an issue of you knowing God. You don't know God. And you can only know through His Son, Jesus Christ. And my fear for you isn't that you'll forget God. It is that you'll never come to know God. But here's another opportunity for you to know Him. By coming to Him in faith and repentance through His Son, Jesus Christ. He offers Him to It's part of God's grace and generosity. Here's my Son. Believe upon Him. Take Him that you might know and be reconciled to God. Let's pray. Father in Heaven, we pray that You would come and make the Word of God effective in our hearts and lives. We would confess that we are often prone to forget You. How many times have You blessed us and given us so much more than we ever deserve and yet we don't take time to say thanks, to give You the glory, to use it for the good of Your kingdom. How many times have have we sought to do our own thing, go our own way? 
Father, we pray you forgive us. We thank you that you're a forgiving God. You're faithful and just to forgive us as we confess our sins. And Father, we pray that you would be working in our hearts and lives, that we would more and more be a people who truly love you, who are devoted to you. And so, Father, we pray that you would take your word and do us good this morning as we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. In closing, take your hymn books and turn to 587. Trinity hymn book. Like a river glorious is God's perfect peace. I trust that we know the peace and the grace and the enjoyment of God. 587. Stand together as we sing.
sad reality that someone would come along and say of this generation, they had forgotten God. They had never been. And even generations to come, you younger ones, don't forget God. Don't forget his truth. Love is true. Buy it and sell it not. We'll have lunch together, and then we'll have an afternoon service about 1.45. You are dismissed. Thank you.